You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the February 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be your host today as we talk about the New Spring Staff Core Values, or uh, what we're saying is the New Spring Staff DNA. But before we get uh, to today's podcast, we've got several things we want to uh, let you guys know about, and we'll just call it All Israel All the Time, because we got three trips coming up this year to Israel that you can still get in on, or at least one of them maybe you can get on on. Let's just see what's available for you. The first trip we've got coming up leaves on March the 27th, and you can still sign up for this. This is a trip that Perry Noble's leading over to Israel, 10 days. It's awesome. Perry, what, what do our listeners need to know about that if they want to get in in the last minute on this great trip? Um, we, get, we have limited spaces. Uh, I think the deadline to sign up for this trip is February the 15th. And um, as I've said numerous times, going to Israel will, will, ma- will make you a better leader um, because it takes the Bible from black and white to color. That's, I mean, that's my that's standard it. phrase since I got back. Yep. And the uh, next trip I want to make you guys aware of is Perry uh, and our student pastor, Brad Cooper, are leading a trip over to Israel for students. You have to have completed the ninth through the 12th grade uh, in 2014. That trip goes from June 16th through the 24th. There's only about 10 spots or so left for that. Is that about actually, right, Perry? Actually, Shane, I just found out before we started the start of the podcast that it's full. It's full. Well, I should have told you that. But I would go in reverse, but we don't go in reverse. We don't go in reverse at, at the Perry Noble Leadership. Leadership. Mm-hmm. We just keep no, going we forward. just keep going. So forget that trip. I but, thought the 20 kids would sign up, and we're taking 80 kids. It blows my mind. Their lives are going to be changed forever. Ever. But guess what? If you're listening, you can't go. That's right. Unless you go to the big trip. Or if you're a pastor. Pastor or a church leader. Pastor or church leader. Like on staff. This is probably the first time we've announced this. Yes, I've never announced this. But Perry's going to do a coaching, a leadership coaching uh, in Israel. This trip's going to be in October of this year. Registration starts on February the 20th, so look for that information. But go ahead and mark your calendars. If you're a pastor, you want to go with Perry to literally change the trajectory of your church as the Bible goes from black and white to color, plus you get the leadership coaching that you would want to hear from Perry. And so all that's going to happen on site in Israel this fall. Perry, anything else they need to know about that? It's the first time we've ever done this, and we're going to reserve it for um, senior pastors, um, and church staff members, and it's going to be one of the most awesome events. I've never done this before. I have no idea who's going to sign up, how many are going to sign up, um, but there's some special deals uh, going along with this, and uh, we'll talk more about that in future podcasts. But, pastors, go ahead and get that on your calendar for October. It's um, it's worth every dime. Yep, it's a great trip. And finally, uh, we want to make uh, everyone out there, all of our listeners aware, if you're involved in church ministry, staff, Uh, or otherwise, we're going to do a conference this fall called the Double Conference. And because we're real smart here at New Spring, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to call this conference. And so we decided on the Double Conference because the heart of it, Perry, is what? We want want to help your church double in size. Plain and simple. If you're running 75, we want to help you get to 150. If you're running 150, we want to help you get to 300. If you're running 300, we want to help you get to 600. If you're running 600, we want to help you get to 1500. Oh, good job. Yep. Do you like so, that? Hey, I, church leaders like that kind of math. I like every church leader <laughs> likes that kind of math, except for, anyway, except for the bitter ones that don't like math at all. That's right. So I, I'm just, listen, here's what I'm saying. It's time for churches to apologize for trying to fulfill the Great Commission. That's the tagline for this conference. And I'm just 
unapologetic about trying to do what Jesus said to do. We're going to try to reach as many people as possible. And we're not just about New Spring Church. We're about the Big C Church. And so church leaders, staff, volunteers, we're going to price it really low, and it's going to sell out really quick. And registration opens, I think, March 3rd? March that, the 3rd. Okay. And mark your calendars. The conference itself will be on August the 28th and 29th of this year, 2014. And we have a special conference on the 27th. Um, it'll be my puppet ministry and interpretive dance <laughs> conference. We're expecting it to sell out pretty quick. Um, for those that that's a joke, that's not. I'm not really going to do that. There were people already writing. I now. know, man. Can you imagine me in no. interpretive dance? Nope. In a I pink can't. leotard. Actually, I can, How but it's real disturbing. I don't want to think about it. The beauty of <laughs> sorry. Okay, now for all of you who've actually survived the intro to this, so sorry about that. We're going to actually get into what we're going to uh, talk about today. So let me just uh, kind of get things going with with this. You know, New Spring just celebrated its 14th birthday. And over the last couple of years, we've experienced amazing growth both in church attendance and the size of our church staff. One of the challenges we face in the midst of this growth is that many of the things that some of us, Perry, who've been around for most of those 14 years would take for granted or know intuitively, uh, those who have come on our staff the last two or three years just simply don't know. Uh, And this is not because our newer staff uh, don't believe in what we're doing or aren't committed to the vision of our church. It's just that we haven't taken the time as church leadership to put down on paper and then teach the things that are most important to us as a staff so that everyone is empowered with the same filters through which we want to make decisions, serve people, and help our church grow. So uh, over the next two podcasts, and you heard me right, we're going to do this podcast over the next two. So this today's will be part one. But over the next two part, uh, podcasts, we're going to share with our listeners what we're calling the New Spring DNA. So with that, Perry, let me ask you this. When did you first get a sense that our staff might be drifting away from our core values as a staff? Well, you know, this project actually came about as a result of um, another uh, podcast that I listened to. I'm sure all the listeners listen to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. And he talked about how their, their staff went through this exercise where they determined their core values. And when I listened to it, um, my first thought, just to be real honest, was, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. And uh, because it is. And so I started kind of looking at our staff, and um, we didn't have anybody on staff doing anything they shouldn't have done. We didn't have anybody on staff that was off mission, but we had a large number of staff come in. And if you're a growing church, maybe it's not a large number of staff. Maybe it's a large number of volunteers, or your church is starting to grow. And after you're about seven years old, seven seems to be that magic mark. Um, Anybody that's been around for the first seven years begins to assume that anybody that comes in after them automatically knows what they know. Um, And the experiences are different. So the experiences for a staff member that was here year one through seven are way different than somebody that was here year eight through 14. doesn't make anybody better or worse. It just makes it different. And so I started thinking, what are the things, I mean, what are the things that really galvanize our church? What are the things that set us apart? What are the things that we're truly going to value as a staff? And I began to write those things down, and I took them to you guys, our leadership team. You guys took them to your direct report, to them took them to their teams, and we began to have discussions. And Shane, would you say it took about three or four months to really begin to get some solid ideas and phrases down? Yeah, I would say for sure that, and that's what I loved about our process is we uh, didn't rush into it. We took time to seek 
insight from everybody, especially people who have been around a long time, mm-hmm. and then filter it through multiple levels of the organization, mm-hmm. and then back to you uh, so that you could get your mind around, you know, what set well with you. And so that's kind of the process we went through. It was, it was so beneficial and um, I think so essential to involve as many people in the process as possible because um, while we couldn't uh, involve everybody in the process, I mean, but we, we could involve people in the process. And what's beautiful about that is we came back to them with core values that that weren't mandated by me or even mandated by the central leadership team. It was um, it was a discussion that took place. Out of the discussions that took place, we identified the values that we had, and then we got to come together and champion these things together. And so everybody was a part mm-hmm. of that discussion. And um, because I'll be honest with you, um, in Andy's podcast, when he challenged us to do this, um, he went through all their core values. And then at the end, he said, now don't take our core values. And then they had six, and I was like, man, all these are good. We can just write these down on a piece of paper and go for it. And so I'll tell everybody that's listening to this podcast, um, don't take our core values. They're, they're good. They work for us. Um, I think they're great, um, but they're probably – I mean, there are elements of it that will work in your church, but it probably won't work in your church. You need to begin to have talks and discussions. And for the impatient leaders out there like me, you're not going to do this in, in two weeks. If you do it in two weeks, um, it's too fast. It's going to take at least two or three months to really get your minds wrapped around this. If you don't have a big staff, get some key volunteers together and figure this out. Um, because, once again, year seven is that magic year that if, if you don't identify certain things, people can, doesn't mean they will, but they can drift, and, it, and the drift can come pretty easy. Would you suggest, though, we, you know, we kind of waited 14 years almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if somebody's in the first couple of years of, of planting their church? They, should they go through the process of putting something down on paper to call what they want their culture or their their DNA to be like, or is that too early? Um, It's okay to identify what you think you're going to be like in your culture. You honestly don't know. Um, That's like like asking a a 12-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Well, odds are they do have a plan. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. And some are like, I don't know. But most kids can tell you what they want to be, but most kids don't wind up being what what they thought they would be. Um, at least I don't think so. Um, and so it's kind of like you can identify your culture, but it's best to do this. I think it's best to do this about five years in mm-hmm. so you can identify really who you are rather than who you would like to be. Yeah, that's real good. Um, you know, we went through this process, and it was more than just creating conversation. We actually took the time to write these things down, and then we're beginning to take the time to teach them into our Staff, Why do you think it's important to be able to put all these things down on paper and not just expect this is something you say in a, in a staff meeting and then everybody just knows it? Yeah, there, there is power in a common language. Um, one of the illustrations that I used, and I think I heard Robert Morris say this one time, and it was so profound. In Genesis 11, where the Tower of Babel took place, um, when the Lord went to see that, you know, he saw the Tower of Babel, he said, these people speak a common language. And if they speak a common language, there's nothing they can't do. And the Lord said that. If they speak a common language, there's nothing they can't do. And so he confused the languages. Well, in Acts 2, God got, I mean, the gospel becomes the common language that everybody rallied around, everybody understood, and over 3,000 people received Christ in one day. 
And so the church has a common language called the gospel. And so if we can learn how to speak a common language within our church rather than, well, I think we ought to do this and I think we ought to do this, if we identify a common language, it allows us to move forward a lot quicker and more effectively than sitting around and kind of talking about what we should be out doing in the first place. That's good. Common language, then, uh, I know you mentioned this too. Talk about how this common language or everybody rallying around this DNA helps us to uh, move decisions down in the organization so that we can be more efficient. Yeah, it's it's so fun for me because there are literally, literally decisions that I'm made aware of, but I don't have input in. And the reason I don't have, you know, if, if everybody's coming to you in your organization um, for the decision to be made, it's it's not being led well. Um, you're you're if every, let me say that again because I think that was pretty good. If everybody's coming to you um, for the decisions to be made in your organization, your organization, whether it's your business or your church, is not being led well. If you're not teaching people how to lead, if you're not raising up leaders, and one of the ways of raising up leaders is placing some clear boundaries and guardrails, and and then allowing them, hey, within these guardrails make the decision. If you make a wrong decision, we'll make it right. If you make consistently wrong decisions, we're going to have to fix something. Um, but if you made a wrong decision trying to make a right decision, we're, going to, we're not going to punish you. We're going to reward you and continue to move forward. The reason a lot of leaders will not push decisions down is either because of insecurity, um, fear, or they have control issues. All three are what the Bible would call sin. That's right. Plus, you know, functionally, you just limit your organization. You can't Big grow. Time. That, you know, that's Exodus 18. That's, you know, Jethro, Jethro coming to Moses saying what you're doing is not good. So when you don't create a system that allows other people to help make decisions, then you're limiting the size and scope of your impact, and you don't want to do that. We were, we were talking this morning, Shane. It was so funny, and I'd never said this, but I said Jesus said, you know, the great commandment is love God, love others. And I really do believe with all my heart that the greatest leadership commandment should could be trust God, trust others. That's good. And if you're not trusting God with your church, and then you're not trusting others. I mean, Jesus said, love God, love others. Um, I'm not trying to replace the words of Jesus, but man, you, you look at trust God and trust others, that'll raise up an excellent leader every time. Well, that's the only way people with control issues can lead. Yep. At least lead well. Yep. Um, you know, I want to state this uh, as well before we get into the specifics. Um, but this this idea of the New Spring staff culture or New Spring DNA getting into our staff, you have said uh, to our church leaders and now to our whole staff that this is the most important thing that New Spring is going to do in 2014. Yes. And so just, just share with our listeners why it's at that level of importance for our church this year. Well, in order for a church to move forward, you have to know where you are. And so I feel like the DNA is the launch, the launching pad. And if your staff doesn't have core values to rally around, silos will develop in the ministry. Um, and it's, it's not something you can help. It's uh, the youth ministry will begin competing against the children's ministry. Um, the, the person that designs the website will begin competing with the people that do programming and they'll start comparing budgets. They'll start comparing personnel. They'll start comparing time with key leaders. Um, and it turns into co- to, um, a competition. And a, a church staff's goal should be to complete each other, not compete with each other. Yep. That's huge. And so when competition 
is pulled out of the equation and completion is put into the equation, um, everybody wins. Everybody on staff wins. And so it's essential that um, staff members, and I would say, you know, we're pushing this in, once we get it in the staff, we're going to go key volunteers, volunteers. We want everybody understanding what we value as, as a staff. That's real good. Like every staff, uh, when they get together, no matter what minister they're in, they can look across like that scene in Jerry Maguire and say, you complete me. You complete me. So, Do you know I've never seen that movie? Oh, my gosh. I know about Are Show Me the Money. Me? I'm sorry, man. I've never seen that movie. Hilarious and awesome, and especially if you love football. I've never seen it. I mean, you know, it's rated R and all that stuff. I know. So, yeah, please don't don't email us about right. rated R movies because I like it's Braveheart. A, it's a great movie. I like movie. Gladiator. And Tom Cruise I like is 300. crazy. We Tom know Cruise. he's into the Scientology we know thing, he's, but we love him, and Jesus still has a plan amen. for his life. Praise the Lord. Okay, sorry. I yeah, No, somebody was going to email. You just <laughs> saved somebody a lot of time. All right, so let's get into the specifics of our DNA. Here, here's, there's three. Three core values. Three core values. Number one is this. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. So give an overview of this statement for our listeners and why it's the first core value for our staff. Well, I started the church because I really felt like the Lord was telling me to. And whenever you say this, people go, "Well, how do you, you know? How do you listen to Jesus? Did He call you on the phone?" And um, He didn't. It would have been nice if He would have. It has saved me a lot of um, stress and thinking about it and praying about it. But we wanted this to be the prim- the primary reason the gospel was taken to the nations is because people were obeying Jesus. The primary reason that disciples were made is because people were obeying Jesus. The primary reason that churches were built all across the Mediterranean rim by the Apostle Paul was he was obeying Jesus. And so you go back to the scriptures and you look at anything significant that happened um, was a result of people saying yes to God, people saying yes to Jesus. And we said, we're going to champion that as a church. We're going to value that as a church. In every um, department, in every ministry, we're going to listen to Jesus, do what he says. Um, which is a great what I love about uh, this particular uh, core value is it is what we're all about but you went on from that and I think it would be helpful for our listeners if you went through the nine filters or the nine questions you you ask all of our staff uh, to go through when trying to discern you know am I listening to Jesus and doing what he says so if you want to go through those uh, just start with number one Okay. Um, th- these are nine filters that I and, – and what these are are um, guardrails for our staff. These help our staff members make decisions from the, you know, part-time receptionist all the way up to the leadership table and everyone in between on an org chart. This is – these are the filters that people – um, because some people are like, uh, you know, God told me, God told me, God told me. And about the third time they get it wrong, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not so sure you don't need to lay off the late night pizza. I don't think God's speaking to you. So that's a phrase that when you walk into a room at New Spring Church and you say God told you, you better get it right. Because yeah. if, uh, if, it, if, it, if it turns out wrong, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. That's all we'll say about that. But um, th- let me give you nine filters, and these are just nine filters that I use personally. Yeah, I think they're super helpful. Um, number one, what does the Bible say? In other words, if there's a clear scriptural principle, like it's, um, oh, my gosh, that person's getting on my nerves, I want to kill them. Well, there's some pretty s- clear scriptures that we cannot kill staff members, um, and so and, and that's protected one or two in, in our <laughs> yeah. lifetime here at New Spring. So what does the Bible say if, the, if there's a clear mandate in Scripture? And, and when I say clear mandate, I'm not t- 
talking clear mandate within a certain brand of theology. Uh, we're, you know, hyper-Pentecostal. We're um, Reformed. We're, you know, Wesleyan. We're the—I mean, that, that's not what I'm talking about. When it comes to an overall view of Scripture, what does the Scripture say? That's filter number one. Filter number two is what do wise, godly people say? Um, God has surrounded, I believe, every leader with wise, godly people. And um, to not seek out their advice, like I've talked to people about certain decisions, and I've said, have you talked to so-and-so about it? Well, no, I know what they're going to say. Well, that you probably should pay attention to that because sometimes we can't hear the Lord. Um, he has to He has to go around us. He can't speak to us because we're so emotionally involved in a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be like the pastor that has a um, his wife on the worship team and she can't sing. Hypothetically, that could have happened in some churches uh, in the past. Maybe. Um, and the pastor don't want to um, tell her to get off the worship team, but then everybody on the worship team quits the worship team. So anyway, number three, what does my experience say? Um, what, am I, what does my experience say? For example, we, for years, we did this thing at New Spring Church where we thought it was a great idea to do Christmas tickets. Now listen, if your church does Christmas tickets for Christmas services, praise the Lord. And if you do it effectively, please don't email us and tell us how to do it effectively because we don't want to. We, we just decided, you know what, for us in this season, it's not for us. We tried it. And so if anybody ever says, hey, how do we get people to come to certain numbers of Christmas you know, services? And they go, what about Christmas tickets? Um, we throw them out a window because we don't want to have that. Because experience tells us, nah, it's not going to work for us. Um, the fourth one is, what does the Spirit say? I really believe the Holy Spirit um, still works. I believe He still um, works in the life of believers. And sometimes, Shane, I call it that feeling in the gut. You just can't get past it. Now, let me say this very clearly. That can't be the only thing, but that is a main thing that you need to pay attention to. Um, Number five, does this negatively impact the vision? Um, One of the key areas that we've um, really focused in on, we should do an entire podcast on this. I just had this thought, is um, our social media strategy. If you are a New Spring staff member and you go out to a restaurant and you have a bad experience, you you can't tweet, my food sucked at Fuddruckers. I mean, you can't, you as a staff member, you can't tweet that. You know what you just did? You just negatively impacted the vision of our church because you got bad service. We don't want to do that. No, and you should have gone to Five Guys anyway. <laughs> um, now, I'm just kidding. I love both. I love both. I love both. Um, so number six, um, am I excited about this? Um, we don't want to do anything in our church that we have to manufacture energy for. Uh, the illustration, if you've been in church world for a long time, is like the pastor and the Sunday school director talking about how everybody needed to go to Sunday school, but they never went to Sunday school. It was manufacturing energy. And so if we have to pretend we're excited about it, we're, we're not going to do it, no matter how many people in the church are excited about it. Um, number seven is, is this a temporary solution? Um we don't want to do temporary solutions. No bullet, no, no band-aids on bullet wounds is what we say. A band-aid will not help a bullet wound. Number eight, is this extravagance or excellence? God, we should do a whole podcast about that. Um, I just, I'm coming up with podcast ideas. People are writing down. Um, Allie is typing furiously. Her phone is on silent. But we, the, think. The, we think. We don't know. We don't know. Somebody call her right now. Right now. Anyway, in the, um, is, in this, the future. is this extravagance or excellence? It's, um, it's the difference between, let's say you're, you're looking at a $100 
piece of equipment or a $500 piece of equipment. If the average person in the church can't tell the difference, whether it's sound or lighting or whether it's a visual thing between the $100 and $500 piece of equipment, go with a $100 piece of equipment. Simple, simple. And number eight, will this benefit the vision or just my vision? So if someone in an apartment wants to do something um, and they're fighting for it and it's a lot of dollars, um, if it benefits the church, yay. But if it just makes their ministry look better but doesn't really do anything to advance the whole church forward, um, that's a no. And once again, we could, we could probably do a podcast on each one of those each one of those, but those are just nine filters. And what I'm going to do as soon as this podcast is live is I'll write up these nine filters and put them on my blog, and that way people can, I'll just say nine filters we use for making a decision. Oh, Actually, I, I won't do that. Um, Sarah will. Sarah's in the podcast right now. Her phone it. is off. Her phone is off. Mm. She was paying attention. Well, the, I, you know, I'll just say this as somebody on staff. You gave us seven of those several years ago before we got to this. And it's been super helpful. I mean, it's really easy uh, to make a decision and feel like, you know what, if I've gone through these filters and I make a decision, even if I'm off, I can come back and say, hey, here's the process I went through. At least yep. it was well thought out. Yep. And so to empower our whole staff with this, I think just increases the possibility that more people are going to be able to make wise decisions and be able to make good on this idea of listening to Jesus and doing what he says, especially in regards to how it impacts our church. Well, if we teach people how to think. That's right, and there's you, nothing wrong with you that. You just teach people how to think. Instead of, ooh, instead of telling them what to do, you challenge them, you teach them how to think. That's right. You make dangerous people when people know how to make decisions. Hey, man, if, once good. again, if everybody has to come to you for the decision, number one, you're probably not leading people, you're driving them. And number two, you're not raising up leaders, you're raising up followers. That's real good. Well, I think that right there would be a good place to end part one, part one. Uh, of the New Spring DNA podcast. Uh, join us uh, with the next podcast. It's hopefully next in line in your iTunes already. Yep. But uh, we'll pick that up uh, next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>